Hello and welcome to another episode of I Think It's All Corona. What are we in now? Week six of lockdown. The lads and I are missing football more and more. But this week we discuss the possibility of a return of the Premier League, to our screens at least, and the logistical nightmare that the footballing authorities face to get matches played. Plus, our usual look back on this day and Dorsey's weekly challenge. This is They Think It's All Corona. They think it's all over. It is On the show today, we've got uh, the usual lineup of David Morgan. All right, mate. Matthew Dawes. You're right, lad. How's it going? And Scott Hyron. Oi, oi. As well as guest uh, on the show today, Matt Hall. You're right. Yeah, good to have you boys all here. I think we've uh, found a solution this week, actually, to our trouble of getting quite warm under the bedsheets. Um, we've been under it the last few weeks to try and minimise the sort of echo in in Rod's room here and uh, we've, we've built a little tent today so hopefully that should give you the studio sound listening in at home but anyway on to business and um, with the news came out today that the Premier League has been um, planning a meeting for this Friday coming to basically sort everything out uh, with the coronavirus situation what's going to happen and when some potential rule rule changes which might come in and a bit of a, a schedule for what's going to happen over the next few weeks as we look to come back to football. Um, one of the most interesting things, I thought, was those rule changes, as I mentioned. What are some of the things being discussed, boys? Uh, there's talk of players being booked if they are caught spitting on the pitch, potentially, <laughs> which I'm not, I don't know. I don't really know how severely they'll enforce that. Talks of even it being a red card offence, which would be quite funny seeing a player get sent off for that, but also very harsh. Um, there's also talk of banning jostling at corners, which I just think is ludicrous personally, because otherwise, you know, everyone's well, everyone's going to have to stand two metres apart at corners and then just give give defenders a free header each time. It's like social distancing in football. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it just doesn't I, I, work. I reckon if they're going to do that, you might as well just scrap corners. Just don't do them. You might as well scrap the game. <laughs> oh, no, I calm with, down. I agree with Hyron there because you know if you're literally putting that marker that you can't you know be within two meters of each other on a corner, what's the point? Like, it's, a, it's a, a fundamental part of the rules, and also there's going to be so many times not just corners, free kicks, and even open play as well, where the striker's playing um, on the end of the defense. Like, you, it's just a fundamental thing to be able to be stand near opposition and. Um, players on your team as well I think that if they're going to continue this football season they've got to you know take into account the potential risks for it happening and I think you know they're trying to minimise this risk but realistically what's what's going to happen by you know keeping corners two metres apart like the other rules as mentioned earlier you know the spitting on the floor again I don't think that you know that can be helped much because a, a natural part of when you know you're exercising a lot is that you get a lot of phlegm and saliva you know I'm no scientist but pretty much mo- most football players will be wanting to spit on the floor but not out of you know just a, just just a natural part of the game again um, the only rule I can kind of understand is the five substitute rule potentially um, I don't know what you yeah, think. That, that's been brought in obviously players won't be at full match fitness so the idea is teams have up to five substitutes in a match 
um, in order to sort of rotate players and get people up to match fitness fitness sooner. What, what are your thoughts? I think that's a really good idea, actually, um, for specifically those reasons. Obviously, it removes a little bit of the tactical side of the game, but I don't think it's fundamental enough to really change uh, how the game's played itself, like a corner, for example. Uh, all the game mechanics are still the same. It's just involving a little bit of a, a change in, like you said, the match fitness and uh, when players can get involved. So I think that's a positive move uh, if it were to uh, be implemented. One, um, one negative spin on that, though, is, you know, you think about managers like Jose Mourinho, you can see him, if he's, if he's got like four subs left going into the last few minutes of the game, he's one up. He's going to be milking that once every minute, taking his time, doing all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's obviously something to consider. Maybe they'll have to put sort of rules on when you can actually use your substitutes rather than just being like, this is, you can use five whenever. Maybe do like, you can't use too many past this certain time. Otherwise, people like Mourinho will milk that. Yeah, I agree. Or the referee does his job uh properly and actually calculates the time but not they're all bottlers not, not, it's exactly, the English Premier League not, mate not, not that they don't do, not that they do do that obviously we, I think we both know that um, in, in, in a good world the referees would negate that problem unfortunately it doesn't get negated but um, but yeah I think there could be some side rules uh, like you said which will probably help uh, with the time wasting merchants mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely think as well that if they truly enforce that players have to leave the pitch by the nearest possible place that would help fix that as well because then they could have you know one player walk off and then the other goes on same moments and you can have a sub taking less than 30 seconds there like really it just takes the refs to sort of you know get a little bit of grit and enforce the rules properly (laughs) wasn't there talk about a rule being implemented with um you know substitutions in after the 90th minute i thought that was something that was going to come into play at some point you know in terms of like, for for example, a, a team can't do it to purposely waste time. I thought that was something that was coming in at some point. I don't know. Sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. The thing is, as, as we've mentioned, the English Premier League refs are a shambles. So yeah. Yep. They'll bottle it as they always do. Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of the mo- most interesting things being discussed on Friday is uh, the potential to sort of host it at one location, have a sort of... World Cup style, as as we've discussed on on the show before, uh, tournament and basically get the the league done in a few weeks, uh, possibly at a location in the Midlands, somewhere central. Um, obviously, that would involve all the players being tested, um, and then basically quarantined together. I don't know what your thoughts are, boys. On obviously, we've got a big testing problem in the UK more widely right now. Not enough tests for. Uh, frontline staff or for the general public think they got the disease why should football players get to skip the queue in a way and even if they're not showing symptoms be tested uh, just so the football can be played well that's just like in general why do rich people get tested anyway you know you've got you've had a lot of people like Idris Elba for example who had no symptoms himself but he was in contact with someone with it so he got tested right away because he's got a bit of money Um, so I mean I think that's just a wider issue of sort of rich versus poor sort of thing but I think that I don't think that will be an issue. The government will happily happily test all the players. I, I think it's not the best sort of way to go about it because there are people who need it more. Um, the frontline staff, for example, obviously. I mean, this whole hundred thousand tests by the end of April is a, d- a disgrace. I mean, what are we on now? Like fifteen thousand? About a fifth of the way there. We've got two de- two days left. I mean, come <laughs> on. Those they're they're way way out. And I think yeah, as you mentioned, if they start dishing them out to footballers, people won't be very happy. Yeah, and they, the government's already proven that they're sort of willing to sign off on 
tests just because of someone having more influence. For example, Michael Gove managed to get his daughter tested so that he could return to work, even though he's perfectly capable of doing what he does, which is not a lot from home. <laughs> well, this isn't a politics show, so we, we won't go into too much detail on that. I'm sure Dorsey will be spitting bars in a minute about you know it, an, anti-Tory rhetoric, as, as he usually does. Um one of the other things which I just mentioned was the sort of the World Cup style all in, in one location. What, what do you think of that? Could the you know the likes of uh, Villa Park and uh, Birmingham City's ground play play a part? Um, you know, somewhere in the Midlands, perhaps Wolves getting involved as well as a sort of hub. It could be anything. You do um, you can on a training ground. You know, there's no no fans needed. I mean, I mean, City's training ground, for example, have got like 15 pitches or something ridiculous. So crazy, you just yeah. get it done. There it is. Like. You know, I don't, you don't need to do any stadiums or anything like that. I mean, but yeah. Obviously, there's got to be broadcast infrastructure. They're talking that about... Is, well, that is, the, that is one true You know, they're going to be point. broadcasting uh, every single game, perhaps some even free-to-air as well on the BBC. On the BBC? Yeah. That'd be very good. I think it's... Obviously, I think there's probably not going to be many instances where they'll have different matches or not the same. I don't think they'll have... Um, all the matches on at different times. They'll they'll probably be almost like a three o'clock thing where because if there, there'll be that many games where I think it was it's almost impossible to play every game at a different time. Maybe they can manage it, uh, but you also got to think of the wear and tear on the pitch as well. Uh, the same pitch isn't going to be able to host uh, God knows how many games left there are to play between all of the teams. Uh, so yeah, I suppose Midlands is good in terms of the amount of like pitches and things that are down there. Are all your training pitches grass? In uh, terms of or, or Astro, because I know that a lot of players have an issue with playing on Astro. If that you know, if 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 it is the case that a lot of these matches are played at some sort of training complex, I think that will be another debate because uh, you know it, it's especially with you know players not being at full fitness. Like Astro is known to um, cause a lot more injuries. So again, that's another topic for debate when deciding where to potentially play matches. But I, I agree with you know what Mod was saying about um, the World Cup sort of style. Um, I think that a Midlands club, that, that would work out. It's just whether testing all those players is really, really worth it. Um, yeah. And obviously the timescales for this, they're talking about coming back towards the beginning of June. Obviously, we're hoping in the next few weeks the lockdown restrictions will start to be lifted and we'll start to see some sort of normality coming back. Obviously, it'll be a long time before we get back to things fully how they were a few weeks ago. But I think to get there at the beginning of June, they're going to have to have players back in full training by sort of mid-May. And that's something actually being considered as well um, by the Bundesliga doors. Yeah, 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 it is. um, Really interesting with Bundesliga, actually. I mean, it looks like they full speed ahead to get football back as soon as possible which is obviously great to see um, and they've actually decided well not decided officially but it looks like they are going to use the current stadiums obviously not no fans there um, but to combat that they're actually allowing their fans and Seasiger holders to sort of buy cardboard cutouts of themselves to put <laughs> into the seats of the ground which I think is a really good idea and I think Teams in England, well, one team in particular that I'm thinking of, obviously, is Man City, who got <laughs> so many empty seats. I think that could be a really so good idea to sort of, sort of cover cover that up. What do you think? I mean, they, they should do that on a, on a normal. That's league, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that they that some football teams and many football teams have apparently used it. You know, that fake atmosphere, that noise thing around the stadium, which you do. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we have or not, but you I have. know that uh, plenty of teams have. 
Um, I mean, that's something you could potentially do. It sounds a little bit farcical, but whether it will play anything on the players, I don't know. But it probably sounds a little bit stupid, really. But um, I mean, it's, it's quite a, a nice individual idea about the mm. cutouts and stuff. Again, a little bit far-fetched, but... Um, but I suppose if, yeah, if I, you I, fancy it and it's an easy way for clubs to make money, I suppose, which yeah. they probably need at this moment in time, then fair dues. Yeah, I mean, City just have to print, you know, 40,000 Sheikh Mansours, don't they? <laughs> really? And it's just a mass production thing. They can print them out. Season ticket holders are gone. <laughs> what season ticket holders? <laughs> About 30, 40,000 of them. What? What? <laughs> at the end of the day, mate, we all, I mean, I've I've been saying for months now, actually, about Sheikh Mansours. Plan, well, not plans, is what he does really is buying the seats. He can now fill those seats with cardboard cutouts. It's genius. <laughs> so cover up his well, store even more. Well, that's right, it? Well, so well. obviously that's, that's Germany looking to get back yeah. within the next few weeks. Hopefully the UK will be mm-hmm. uh, shortly following afterwards. A few other European leagues mm-hmm. have actually decided to avoid the season and it's something that UEFA have been trying to press home that all um, European associations must decide now by the 25th of May whether they want to continue the season at some point and outline their plans to do so, or if they want to avoid it. And now that has happened in the Eredivisie, who have avoided the season Mm -hmm. as of a couple of days ago. And also uh, in France, where the French government has actually banned all sporting events, um, whether or not the sport likes it. You know, they can't even play it behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. The government has just called it off. Do you think we could see something similar here? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Eredivisie, obviously... There was a title race there that's obviously now been voided. And I mean, one, one thing that's quite, well, not funny, but I thought it was quite funny was that Alan Pardew gets his staying up bonus um, for <laughs> Den Haag, even though they were seven points off safety. Yeah, obviously Pardew took it over at Den Haag at the start of this season. I think, yeah. They were a shambles. Yeah. a long way off. <laughs> they're a shambles. I mean, they were seven points off safety with, you know, 10 games left or whatever it was. So they're looking like they're going to get relegated. But yeah, he does get his bonus, which he has donated back to charity, which obviously is... Good to see, but I thought that was just yeah, classic yeah. party, really. I think, isn't it? I think you're ready to rinse him uh, before you knew he's written him doing it as a charity. No, I wasn't going to rinse him. <laughs> you know, I see you pay out for Pardew. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's just it's just the most Alan Pardew thing it that is, ever happened. It is, yeah. You know, um, he's a negotiating genius. <laughs> Somehow, wherever he goes, he seems to get these contracts that just give him money, like for basically doing nothing. Oh, like... You forget about his uh, Newcastle contract, don't you? Yeah. It's in- insane. Well, they run up last year. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like he just... eight year deal. I think that maintains Pardew's record yeah. as never being relegated as a manager. Yes, hundred percent true. true. <laughs> One of them, he was sacked a few weeks before the club was confirmed to be yeah. relegated. Yeah. But officially, he was he's never been in charge Where of a club that? that's been Where relegated. Was that, was that Palace? I think it was Palace. It's not maybe Palace. Is it West Brom? Ooh, West, I think West it could Brom. be one. West well, I West think it was West Brom. He left. He was sacked <laughs> or left by mutual consent. Yeah, I like, think he left actually yeah. by mutual left consent. By, left by mutual <laughs> he's consent. He's like, oh, I need to keep this record up. Yeah, in yeah. inverted commas. So, I mean, yeah, yeah that was good. Um, obviously, French League today with a government, as you mentioned, um, which is, I, I don't know. I don't think British government will do that because there's a lot of rumours going about that they're wanting football back to sort of raise morale of of you know um communities all over the UK. So I don't think they'll they'll do that, but obviously our cases aren't looking very good. I mean the curve is flattening, but if we suddenly start football I, d- I don't know. Um it could be an option, but I can't see the British government doing the same thing as what the French government is doing. I think as well it does play a factor that 
the Prem is worth a lot more money than mm, League One mm, and the no. Eredivisie. League and Uber Eats, like wherever it was. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> that they, contract's down the side. They were talking about, you know, the football being delivered by an Uber Eats yeah. guy at the start. Like, I think that was literally planned for next season. It, I, I'm not, it was a joke. It was, it, I thought it was a joke when I heard it, yeah. but it actually was it's a true <laughs> idea. The Uber Eats guy would bring the ball out. <laughs> Obviously, with the lack of football as well, the um, British football media have been turning to all sorts of strange stories we've seen online obviously there's the usual reruns and pick mm. your best 11 which we've been doing here mm. when they think it's all over but we saw one article which was a little bit strange from the BBC this week um, yeah. trying to argue a case for the, the best British manager of the Premier League era was it or was of it all of all time, time? Yeah. of all time I mean come on it's one, it's one name and one name only it's Aaron Rodgers it's Rodgers Ferguson I mean I saw a stat yesterday that he's actually won more trophies on his own than Man City have in their history. I mean, that sums it up really. You know, <laughs> he's bigger than bigger than entire football clubs. Um, I mean, you are judging league. City from you know over a twelve-year period, yeah. <laughs> from two thousand and eight to now. That is true. Obviously, City are founded much later than United, but founded much. <laughs> well, two thousand eight. Oh no, sorry, two thousand seven. I saw that the other day. It's actually two thousand seven, yeah. not two thousand and eight. Yeah, you is. actually were founded. So, but then obviously, founded. there's some other names like you know Matt Busby came up and. Clough, I mean, Nigel Clough's obviously up there as well, but there's only one winner. BBC are out, out their backsides as they usually are. That's right, it's Ferguson, isn't it? I can't see anyone disagree. I don't know about your uh, opinions. Boys. I think we all agree, we can all agree that Fergie was the best British manager. BBC are just they've they've hit rock bottom here. <laughs> the journalistic rock bottom here. <laughs> the edge they, of the barrel. Got, they've got nothing left. <laughs> I, mean, I think Clough obviously deserves an honourable mention. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, for what he did with Forest and with Derby as well, absolutely incredible. Uh, achievements going up against Don Revy at that time. I always knew he was a Derby fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, win the league with Derby and then twice the champ, well, the European Cup with Forest. But it doesn't compare with what uh, Ferguson's done over 27 years. Mm. Pretty in- incredible, really. So, yeah, fair, fair dues to the guy. The utmost respect for what mm. he's done. Fair dues, mate. So on this podcast, we like to take a look back uh, to a match on this day in history. Today's the 28th of April. And we're actually spoiled for choice um, for this day. Obviously, getting towards the end of the season, lots of big matches coming up. Dawes, I think you've selected a couple of options for us today. Yeah, I've, I've got three three main ones. Um, we'll start off with last year's Leeds versus Villa. <laughs> well, I don't even know what it was, really. It was um, a very interesting moment. Um, a Villa player was down injured. Um, and obviously, as you do with football, I disagree with it, but t- put pass the ball out. Villa did the same when a Leeds player were down about 10 minutes earlier. Leeds played on with all the Villa players stopping. They went on to score the goal. Obviously, Bedlam came out of, came out of that. <laughs> and then Biesler actually ordered his team to let Villa score a goal. So Villa kicked off, walked up to the goal, tapped it in. The game finished 1-1. Leeds, in, Leeds ended up in the playoffs. Here we are. Here we are. So, I mean, that was obviously very controversial. I don't know what your thoughts are. I mean, Roddy was talking about match fixing, possibly. Maybe there was talks at the time of him being given match fixing, but you know, I think it would have been really sort of removed the incentive to be to have good sportsmanship because mm-hmm. that's ultimately what it was for yeah. that for Leeds. It was you know a case of if they hadn't have let another goal happen everyone would have been on their case about you know them taking advantage of the situation and it you know sort of removing the integrity of the game a bit mm-hmm. 
Wasn't there a red card in that incident as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sent off because of all the afters. Was, was it El Ghazi? It's basically a fight. Brew yeah, out. Yeah. Was there a red card in both sides or? Did... I thought it was just Villa. I think just, it was just just, yeah. just Villa. Yeah. It was. It was. It was crazy, and I, I, I suppose ultimately it was good for the integrity of the game because it was. Like it was, it was all a bit bonkers and it all just happened so quickly, didn't it? I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was, it was ridiculous. I, I think you've got to look logically and think about what you'd want for your side as well and what mm. you what you would expect. Well, yeah, Leeds were going for promotion at that point. I mean, yeah, I guess you can see from a fan being frustrated with them letting them yeah. score, but I think it was definitely the right thing to do in the end. Yeah, I suppose the stakes are just very high <laughs> at that point of the season, unfortunately. Exactly. But the the right thing was done, I think. Yeah. So secondly, we've got. The Jose Mourinho masterclass at the Camp Nou back in 2010, Champions League semi-final. I mean, up against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, obviously, well, for me, the best team of all time. And Jose at full time running onto the pitch, shouting up, looking up to those Inter fans <laughs> up in the gods. And for me, it was a masterclass and demonstrated why I'll always put Jose Mourinho above Pep Guardiola in terms of a, a manager, just a manager. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Hiram. Um, I mean, obviously it was a masterclass on that day. It was but, incredible. They uh, had 10 men for 65 minutes. But I, I think I still think what Pep's done with that Barca side, he's he's created the best side uh, that's ever been in club football for me. Uh, that club won in in that mo- like in that tenure won every trophy that could be won in a single year. Uh, absolute joke. How much of it was down to Messi? Yeah. Um, a, probably 80%. a lot of it, but not 80%. all of it. I think the combination of uh, Pep's tactics, uh, getting all the right players in and putting them in the right places. Um, but you can see his success and his domination as he moved on to Bayern and to City as well. I, I think Pep's incredible personally. Uh, but it's such a tight call between him and Jose, but I personally think, especially the stuff, it's just beautiful to watch as well. Not that that really is the main factor, but. I think you you just get excited to watch Pep Guardiola's team a lot of the time. I think you know you're, with Mourinho as well. You have to talk about Champions League with Porto and Inter. Yeah. You know, Pep has always had the pick of the crop. Whenever wherever he's gone, he's always had the backing. He's always had the players. He's always inherited a very very good squad and money. Yeah, and Jose's you know he's done some he's done some good stuff with very little backing, like you know. United, yes, he had big signings, but he didn't get the players he wanted. He, it's, it's, the spending didn't compete with the other the other teams in the league then, but yet he still managed to get you know Europa League and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, Mourinho has to pit Pep at this point. That's what Spurs will be hoping for anyway. Nah, nah. <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> I, I, I think he has done very good things, especially Porto and then, so that is top class, but I think his longevity as clubs aren't very good at all. Um, well, neither is Pep. To be fair, no. I, yeah, but Pep won the league uh, three times in the row at Bayern, winning the uh, the cup twice. Uh, and Bayern time. Munich, though, a, a club that's yeah. notorious for serial winning in Germany in a league that didn't really have much competition until Jurgen Klopp came around. Yeah, but if you look at, if you look at the history of uh, Bayern uh, if, of the Bundesliga, uh, there's not many times at all where it's been won three times in the row, uh, and then the the success is still being uh, retained even after he's left. He's left a lasting image on um, on Bayern. Well, they just I think. buy Dortmund's best players. They, I mean, they, they yeah. do that as well. Oh, we'll have Lewandowski. They, Let's they, have that. Lovely but, but at the yeah. end, but at the end, at the end of the day, yeah. it's very re- it's very recent how just so dominant Bayern have been, um, and they've been at their best. They probably have been in their history, in fairness, or near enough. 
They won the treble the season before Pep came in. The se- season before, <laughs> yeah. It's obviously hard to then. Not, Pep didn't hard, do that. No, Pep, Pep got outclassed no, in the Champions no, League with them. Of course he did, but <laughs> but at the end of the day, he still dominated German football for the following three years. Got to the semi-final, which is still very impressive, three times in a row. Uh, obviously Lost one of those 5 nil to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, obviously poor. Um, <laughs> Would oh, you but, say that the same for, for example, Emery, he, you know, in the French League? He dominated the French League a few seasons when he was there, but it's the French League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the but not, League, he hasn't really done it anywhere else, Emery. And the French League's the French League. He's won yeah. like four Europa Yeah, very impressive. I mean, that's, that's very impressive, but I don't think he's hit the heights of achievement that Pep has. I don't think it's near. He hasn't been at the clubs, Pep has. I'm, I'm not directly yeah, trying to compare asked. them, but I'm saying your point of Pep dominated the Bundesliga, which is a, a very uncompetitive league at the period. Yeah, but in the same way that Emery dominated League One, a very uncompetitive league. Then he, but he also dominated the Spanish league uh, and with Messi. <laughs> with, yeah, with Messi, but also a world-class squad which he made the most out of. Which at the end of the day, no other manager is my argument. My, my argument is no other manager would have been able to make that Barca team play the way they did. He did what he has a mind that no other manager has, and his way of playing suited perfectly to that best team in the world playing. I mean, and for me, that's what matters the most. With the best resources, he's the man that you want with that team. Well, moving on yeah. from Pep Guardiola, I've been a bit enough about him. One, one, what, fine, what the one, last thing one had final honest yeah. day, obviously, is great for me and Matt United fans. <laughs> it was a day that. Arsenal gave a guard of honour to Robin Van Persie at the Emirates <laughs> after winning the league title, which, I mean, you couldn't write a better script than that. <laughs> we we secure the league the week later, look at the fixture list, Emirates away, lovely jubbly, turn up, guard of honour to Robin Van Persie, and he looked so smug and I loved it. The fans obviously had a go at him. He scored that day as well, which is just to make it even better, but it just shows that Arsenal are sort of like, I don't know, what they're just a club that you go to and then leave to get success and I think Van Persie proved that I disagree I'd, I'd say in recent years we haven't been anywhere close to our best but we will we will come back eventually like it may it may take a while but we will and yeah he left he left because he wanted to win the league and then he did so yeah so Valgasso oh. did uh, Nasri <laughs> so did Henri 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 won the league with us yeah but he left to win the Champions League didn't he <laughs> Uh, we were unlucky to not win it in 2006. To be fair, Henri did bottle it in that final. Yeah. Bottled yeah. it. Like, it was, yeah, we should have won it that season. We bottled it. But, you know. Yeah, like, what a day. I mean, what a day this has been, really. You know, Van Persie, a Man United icon. Um, I remember going to a charity shop with uh, Rod in Dublin and just <laughs> seeing the Robin Van Persie United shirt. Loved it. Had to take a picture of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so fair to say there's been some great memories on the 28th of April then. It really has been. I think moving on then, we like to usually at this point in the show do the Dorsey Challenge of the week. Usually a, a pick your 11 of some description. What have you got for us this week, Dawes? So this week, mate, um, I've realised we haven't done anything to do with the Champions League, so I thought we'd mix that in today and do the best ever 11 who've only won one Champions League title. So obviously that discounts quite a lot of the Barcelona team and the Real Madrid team that have dominated our lifetimes in the Champions League, but... It's surprising how many names were actually on the list. I mean, my list initially was, I had 20 players in each position, basically. It was crazy, <laughs> but yeah. So I was wondering, you know, what, what you boys could come up with. So I don't know who wants to go first. Do you want to go first, Rod? Yeah, I'll go first. So I went for Petr Cech in goal, 
mainly down to I think sort of that performance in the finals you know he he kept them in it at 1-1 and then in the penalty shootout he made two saves mm-hmm. at the end which is the reason they won it I then went for you know David Alaba at left back mm-hmm. that season he got two goals which is you know as a full back really impressive and then I went for Virgil van Dijk and Rio Fernandes my centre backs you know both had really really solid campaigns that year Philip Lahm at right back captain you know incredible right back incredible disciplinary record uh, Roy Keane at CDM you know I, th- I think I think Dorsey will go on about Roy Keane for a while <laughs> uh, Ronaldinho and Zidane in sort of the attacking midfields yeah they're both incredible you know Ronaldinho destroyed us um, and Lol. then yeah um, Henri on left wing I had to get Henri in you know <laughs> Arsenal merchant <laughs> yeah I had Robin on the right wing you know uh, Arsenal felt <laughs> him cutting in onto his left foot and then bending it in I'm still to this day traumatised screaming at the TV don't let him cut on his left 5-1 yeah and then Drogba I had to put in because you know he got the equaliser and scored the winning pen yeah. in that Chelsea yeah. final class. Yeah. classic it's a very good team Rod to be fair I mean and Czech did save a pen in normal time as well from what I remember mm-hmm. yes. saved from, yes, from yeah. Robin so yeah, I think you can't you can't really argue with that. But I've obviously gone with my main man, Big Pete Peter Schmeichel. Um, him in the final, I was watching the highlights again. He made some saves that are just outrageous um, for a Champions League. I mean, for me, he's the best keeper of all time. Phenomenal, phenomenal talent, and he he was my pick. But I, yeah, I can't. Really, I mean, Schmeichel over check for me, but obviously check is a good shout. We um, can make a good case for either. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, right back. Of course, I sound like Jared every week, don't I? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> right back, I'll go. Um, I went with Cafu. Um, won it in 07 with AC Milan. I mean, that defence spoke for itself. What a team that was. And he was just off the back of winning the World Cup, so he had a good few years, fair to him. And then I've gone with Rio and Vidic as my centre-back partnership. Obviously, United bias, but... they only a little bit. They, they only conceded one goal in the knockout stages. Um, kept a clean sheet at the new Camp. Not many teams can do that. And they did make it to three Champions League finals in four years as a partnership. I mean, can't really go wrong with that. I went with uh, Jordi Alba at left-back. I just think that pace down the left for Barca in 2015 was phenomenal. And then, yeah, I went with Roy Keane as well, just for that semi-final performance alone. It was talked about that on this day a few weeks ago. I mean, the guy's a genius. He's phenomenal. He'd be the captain of my team yet again. And then Zidane obviously made it for that final goal itself. What a goal. But I went with Kaka um, in the midfield. He was unbelievable against us in the semi-final. He tore us to pieces. Um, the, the goal where he, had, he left Rio and Vidic, mm. who I've just praised in bits on the on the on the on the on the floor. What Callum a player! Ballon d'Or winner as well. Top mm. top goal scorer in that season Champions League as well, with ten goals from the midfield. Ballon d'Or, as you say, what a player! And I've gone with actual Ronaldinho out on the wing. Um, interesting yeah very interesting sensational performance in the final as you mentioned I think he's had I think the final with the second most dribbles completed ever behind Messi in 2011 I mean speaks for itself Gone with Drogba up front like, as we've all mentioned what a moment and then I went with Neymar because the guy was a disgrace in 2015 Then he put him on right wing yeah yeah, yeah so not where he plays I, oh, you, mm, yeah. they, they switched around the front three I mean I, I, I almost had Suarez as well I mean Suarez <laughs> almost made it 
There's so MSN many good players you can pick. I didn't realise it's crazy. how many players have only won it once. Like. It's crazy. I mean, Zidane, you, you just assume, oh, he's won two or three easily. Yeah. No, only yeah. one. Um, I vote for this one, the attacking... I was, there was a larger amount of attacking players to pick from than the defending players or the players further back. There was a, such a There's ridiculous... There's so, so many options. Um, amount of choices. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I'll move on to my uh, my lot. And goalkeeper, I've got uh, Manuel Neuer. Uh, I think at that time easily the best uh, goalkeeper uh, in the world mm -hmm. started to revolutionise the role a little bit uh, did stuff that you didn't see goalkeepers do for a very long time like playing it from the back and the he, true sweeper keeper yeah, yeah yeah he was he was immense and has been for Bayern uh, for years although not so much recently mm -hmm. since Messi ended him but <laughs> doesn't matter in this case um, Alaba at left back again Incredible for Bayern uh, for what he's done there, uh, and then also Lam as well on right back. Um, Bayern Munich merchant here, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, <laughs> I agreed with him. I, they were incredible those fullbacks. Yeah, they're incredible for Bayern, um, and yeah, they're just so reliable. Uh, but then I, I got a bit of a taste for uh, your centre back uh, partnership mm -hmm. of Ferdinand and Vidic uh, for the very same reasons. Three finals in four years. Um, I clean sheet at Camp Nou as well, and. <laughs> Just, just incredible. And I normally pick Ferdinand and or Vidic for other yeah. 11s anyway. So <laughs> I, it, it was a safe, safe bet for me. Uh, Makalele won it with um, Real Madrid, I think, in 2002. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we, we all know what he did. But obviously, didn't, the role's named yeah, after Makalele. Yeah, role, it, exactly. Uh, obviously, wasn't with Chelsea. But, um, but yeah, he was sort of at the prime of his career at that point and just world class. Uh, Zidane... The final goal, Zidane. Zidane. <laughs> His name is Zidane. That's what yeah. I, I don't need to say anything more about that. <laughs> um, and then Kaka as well. For, again, for the same reasons what Dawes said, he was just tore United to pieces. <laughs> uh, love loved to see oh, it. Actually, when you were a Wolves fan back then. Oh yeah, but you still like to see. Why are you a Derby fan? <laughs> oh, it's hard to track, isn't it, boys? <laughs> Maybe Chelsea. Who knows? Um, uh, Kaka was Balladour winner. Mm -hmm. It just I just had to pick him. Um, and then it just sets up the, the front three beautifully like Neymar on the left third place in the Ballon d'Or for 2015 mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous that season I I couldn't believe what I was seeing them do mm -hmm. with Messi and Suarez I wish I put Suarez in as well but I had to put Drogba mm -hmm. where he is just for what he did with Chelsea uh, getting that very important goal for Chelsea uh, at the death and then also scoring a penalty as well and then uh, Robin as well uh, for what he did against Dortmund's big German rivals uh, in the final as well and getting that winner uh, so for, for me I think this team's ridiculous <laughs> interesting boys like a lot of yours quite similar mm, yeah. lots of similarities here given comes, the, here uh, comes the rogue song <laughs> I think, well, mine's a little bit different. I've, I've gone, I've cast my net a bit wider than you boys, I think. I think most of yours are from the sort of 2000s, mm -hmm. 2010s. I've gone, had a look back into the 90s and uh, <laughs> Here we go. Watched, watched a few highlight reels back about who, who, who was some of the best players of the time. Um, at the back, I've gone for, I think, Hall's favourite keeper, actually, Oliver Kahn. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he <laughs> won it with uh, Bayern in, in oh, 2001. Course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you talk about Neuer a lot, but... Obviously, he took over from Khan in the sort of mid-noughties, and a lot of people forget how good Khan was, especially towards the end of his career. Um, so he he went in between the sticks for me. Um, at right back, I've got Mike Con. Obviously, mm. won it with Inter in 2010, and uh, I believe he won the World Cup of Brazil a long time before that, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it just shows the, sort of the span of his career um, to be at the top of your game for eight eight years. 
uh, is pretty incredible. His career then got ended the season after by Bale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But up, up to that point, he was world class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, at the back, I've gone Vidic. We've got quite a common mm. common theme here. Uh, alongside John Terry, mm. um, I think his leadership is un- unrivaled amongst uh, amongst centre backs. Um, changed into that tracksuit after they won the, uh, <laughs> won the Champions League. Obviously, didn't play in the final, but I think he has to go in there for the meme of slipping uh, on the pen alone <laughs> against, against United. What an icon! Um, at left back, I've got uh, Jordi Alba. Obviously, mm. won it with Barcelona. In, in 2015 um, my midfield sort of like I've got a two two defensive and two attacking players um, I've got uh, Roy Keane again a, a common theme we all know why he's that sort of midfield general who can no, no nonsense sort things out defensively and, and turn defence in, into attack as well uh, alongside Makaleli obviously mm. that Makaleli role mm. um, and uh, Madrid 2002 what, what, what a win that was for them Um Zidane as well from that Madrid team makes it in, into my side obviously I think he's been in everyone so far yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ronaldinho as well I think has he been everyone? not my not, one not in higher unfortunately yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's my midfield and that sets up a very interesting front two actually. looking forward to this I think you, I, I could have gone for Drogba uh, mm-hmm. obviously as we've chatted about scored two very important goals Shout for the likes of Diego Melito, obviously yeah. into Milan 2010 as well, at top top of his game. Perhaps even Carnu way back in Ajax <laughs> in, in '96 with Ajax. Me. <laughs> I mean, that was really his breakout season, Carnu. But um, oh I, I had to leave him out. Going into the archives there. Um, so I've got actually something a deep lying striker role, some mm-hmm. num- num- traditional number ten. I've got uh, Del Piero. Yeah. Um, Won it with Juve in '96. I think he was the highest scorer in Champions League that season, mm-hmm. and really that was at the peak of his career when when Juve were unstoppable. There's not, nothing you could do to to beat them there. Uh, and then in my number nine, I've actually gone for a player um, who many people would question. I think because later in his career, he certainly wasn't as good as, as he was for Porto in 2004. The top scorer in the Portuguese league in that in that year under Jose Mourinho. And instrumental in their Champions League run, um, four goals in the eleven matches, including two to knock out United in the is. round of sixteen. <laughs> Any ideas who it I is? I don't boys? want to mention it, mate. Is it Cresma? No, it's Benny McCarthy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, like, yeah, he might he might have been he awful. Blackburn, didn't he? he was awful for the rest of his career. He went to Blackburn. <laughs> I think he ended up in Turkey oh, or somewhere. <laughs> but that 2004 season, he was probably one of the best strikers in the world. It was ridiculous. Mourinho turned him into an incredible player, and absolutely tore the Champions League apart that season. And he's, that's why he's my number nine. Fair play, mate. What a team. Fair dude. You know. Um, Obviously, we can go on for days about the players we missed out. I mean, Shevchenko, obviously, Lampard and Gerrard. I'm surprised none of you. Went. I'm surprised you didn't go for Lampard. I, yeah, I actually almost went for Gerrard over Lampard. Really? In this case. Ooh, the what, what yeah, did in 2005. I was I was so so close to putting yeah. him. I think I just put Makaleli in the last minute. One I had just missed out as well was Paul Lambert. Yeah, I, I, Dort, I, I saw that. Right? Seeing that, yeah. was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Schweinsteiger for Bayern. Um, yeah. Ever, yeah. Ever, yeah. ever did he I mean, make any yeah. sides? Uh, Dennis Irwin as well, left back. Yeah. Stam. Yeah, yeah, Stam yeah. was a big miss for me. Have you got any other shouts, Hall? Obviously, you joined, uh, joined as a late guest here, so you might not have a full 11. But... Um, no, I don't have a full 11, but you know, most of it I agree with Roddy's actually. Um, bar, I think I'd have to have Bex in there. You know, <laughs> I just have to have Bex in there. You know, United legend, <laughs> but also. You're you know, definitely that kid. Who are you getting though? rid of? 
Who would I get rid of? Okay. Um, so if we go through Rod's team, um, I'd have Schmeichel instead of Czech. Um, I'd have Alba, Alaba, sorry. Um, I'd have Ferdinand, but I'd obviously have Vidic alongside him. Lam, fine. Keane, yes. Um, Zidane, yes. And is that Ronaldinho? Ronaldinho yeah. Ronaldinho, yeah. Then I'd take out Robin and I'd put Bex in um, because. I think Robin has had a notable impact, you know, in multiple Champions Leagues. Um, but as has Bex, to be fair, and I think that season alone, um, that trouble-winning season, mm. he was just unstoppable. Well, the amount of crosses. Second in the Ballon d'Or, like, yeah, I second in the Ballon d'Or, like, you know. Um, I was gonna say you're definitely that kid who had all the Beckham haircuts. Uh, <laughs> well, my brother was definitely. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it from me. And obviously, I mean, that Inter Milan team in 2010, there were so many names I could have added. Um, Schneider and Zanetti were the big two, I thought. I mean, Zanetti, what a player he was. I couldn't believe how good that team was, that Inter Milan team in 2010. How many is Sadov? Sadov one. He's one of, I think he's one of four. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He's one like two of the AC, two of that, something crazy. Yeah. It's surprising when you look through it. Um, yeah. Very good teams, boys. Fair play to you. Mm. Fair play to you, lads. Um, just, to, just to sort of finish this off, obviously, it's a first time we've done Champions League um, so far I just thought sort of what are your favourite Champions League ever goals boys I mean I've got three that I can think of straight away um, obviously Bales Bales in the final I mean that's has to be there's no question for me yeah. that, that has to be the best goal you know the the sort of he's, he's almost falling over yet somehow he just manages to bang it in I mean the timing as well like yeah. coming off the bench out and of favour with the Madrid yeah. side one all well, on the match. been in favour with the, with yeah. the, <laughs> the, the, the importance of that goal, yeah. you know, and also not just that goal, but Gareth Bale in general when he scored, you know, a similar goal, not quite of the same quality, but I think it was to go three one up in the final um, against Atletico. Two one uh, up, mate. Two, uh, two one, one up, up mm-hmm. um, as well as that goal against Barcelona in the. Um, Copa del Rey so you know he scored multiple times in, on important occasions mm-hmm. for Real they just don't like him yeah you know. so any other shouts boys Have any other goals that stand out to you obviously, I mean obviously you've got, you got probably the, yeah. you've got to Zidane yeah. you, know, you, you have to here men- he is Ronaldo you, Mitch ha- you do have to mention that goal it's probably technically one of the best biceps that's be that there's ever been. Like, as in like the way he cleanly catches it. Yeah. And it was a beautiful goal. And his leap yeah. his leap is just ridiculous as well. I don't yeah. know how I don't, got, I honestly don't know how he can jump so high. He's got when a comparable leap it. to some um, NBA players. Yeah. Is like, it, is which is insane. It's a joke. But I I mean that's probably what made it's what he said apparently made him fall in love with uh, Juventus and all the fans applauding him and stuff. Mm. I mean, I, which, I mean, fair enough. Um, I it's think probably PR, but yeah, uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's classic yeah, PR. It's, it sounds good, so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably PR. But um, it, it it was that impressive, and yeah. I, it's one of those goals you look at and it's just like wow, fair play. I think another one uh, against uh, City was Falcao's chip uh, oh. against us. Oh. Uh, oh. Forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. That was like, I mean, I obviously didn't enjoy it, but <laughs> aesthetically, it was. What a goal that was! It was it was so close to the goal, and somehow he managed to. It was so looped mm-hmm. out. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. One for me as well. I, I was watching a compilation of Barcelona all time champions. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ronaldinho's against Ooh, Chelsea. Okay. Yes, Ooh. where he stops yeah, the ball dead yeah, yeah. edge of the box, yeah. Yeah. and he produces this finish at Stamford Bridge as well. Yeah, wasn't Stamper, it? yeah I, remember. I couldn't believe I was watching. Yeah. What a finish that was! <laughs> and now I'm going to be a bit of a messy merchant and mention a few of his, uh, a few of his classics. I mean, it's free kick against. The and Palazzi. this was the thing. <laughs> <Yeah. solution. laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, merchant. for me, the second best goal behind Bale 
is his goal at the Bernabeu where he beats five of the best sort of defensive players of all time almost with Ramos yeah. Makale just walks through them nice nice and lovely and buries it I mean what a goal that was and obviously his dink against Neuer yeah, all those oh, years ago I mean, Boateng hasn't, hasn't, hasn't ever recovered neither has Neuer in my opinion no, both no. of them <laughs> I've never been the same again but yeah I'm a messy merchant but those three goals were just phenomenal weren't they Hmm. I think potential shout outs to uh, Paul Scholes' goal against Barcelona. Oh, yeah, that's very true. In 08, as well yeah. as, you know, again, you're a Messi merchant, I'm a Ronaldo merchant. So we mentioned that goal against Porto yeah, yeah, in 09, which was a, which was a stunner in itself. And, and the free kick against Arsenal as well. Free kick against oh. Arsenal. <laughs> Too far away for Ronaldo to think about it. Puts <laughs> it right in the bin. <laughs> Everything's rinsing Rod today. Tell oh, you oh, what, it's good. It's good it's not my well, day, well it? in that case, then we'll go for one for Rod, Henri's goal at the Bernabeu. Oh yeah, 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 what a goal! That's yeah. magic. That was magic. I think now, Robin, now, Robin's now, was satisfying as well, cutting inside on the left. <laughs> on the five-one. Yeah, the five-one. <laughs> I, I was happy for about five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to hear what your favourite Champions League goals uh, were at home, and also do send us your best Champions League elevens of, uh, t- of players that have only won it once. Um, I think we're all looking forward to Dorsey's next challenge mm-hmm. next week. I know. You're not like not like to give anything away too early. Nothing away, mate. You know what I'm like. Mm, Keep my cards close to my chest. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for listening to our podcast. I think it's all Corona, otherwise known as I think it's all over, and it is now.